My name is Brett Brewster, and this is my wife, Jan. Um, we've been married 32 years and have two sons, Garrett, who is 28, and uh, recently married, and Travis, who is 24. I think we've got some photos here you can see there uh, with our daughter-in-law, and uh, there may be one other. That's uh, a couple days before we got married, <laughs> and we were pretty young. Um, Jan and I are high school sweethearts who are today grateful for God's grace in saving us and our marriage. In 2005, we were on the verge of divorce, but thanks be to God, today we are stronger than we have ever been. Jan and I both come from broken homes. Uh, My parents were divorced when I was nine years old, and all I remember of those earliest years was the constant arguing of my parents. There was lots of yelling, and my childhood was not one of peace at home. Though my mother was the daughter of a Baptist preacher and a believer, when she left home, she found the world more enticing than following Christ and married my father, who was an unbeliever, and it didn't go well. I spent lots of time with my grandparents during the worst of the turmoil between my parents, and my grandfather led me to Christ. However, my mother remarried another unbeliever, and we moved away due to my stepfather's job. So I saw my grandparents only occasionally after that, and I received absolutely no discipling and really had no examples in my life of anyone who lived an abiding relationship with the Lord. I grew up in a house in which my father was basically never at home. He was an alcoholic as were his parents, and didn't become sober until long after I was an adult. He was constantly gone on the professional rodeo circuit or busy doing anything but being home with his wife and three daughters. One of my most painful memories is when I was a young Girl Scout and my father failed to show up at a father-daughter dance. I was the only girl at the dance whose father didn't show up. The father of another girl there felt sorry for me and offered to dance with me but I didn't want to. I can still feel that sharp sense of humiliation that overwhelmed me that night. When I compared myself with the other girls, all I could think about was that they must be worthwhile because their fathers had shown up, and I, on the other hand, must not be worth much because mine didn't. My mother took my uh, my sisters and I to church occasionally when we were young, but she was not a believer, and she found some imagined reason to get mad at the church, and we quit going. As Jan and I began our married lives, we were both products of our environments. Neither one of us had any idea what a real marriage was supposed to look like. We both just assumed we would make each other happy, and in many ways we did. But we were both broken and selfish, so problems began to manifest. And though we didn't really understand it, both of us were subject to depression. And I, in particular, developed the habit of relying on alcohol as a way of coping with that depression. We would fight, and when I had been drinking, let's just say I was not a fun person to argue with, and the truth is I'm probably still not a fun person to argue with. Uh, I would say very unkind things for which I would later feel very remorseful and apologize. Jan is a very forgiving person, so she would forgive, but the cycle would just repeat itself. After our children were born, 
Brett and I began to attend church. During that period, I accepted Christ as my Savior. However, we still had problems in our marriage. Um, Thank you. I convinced myself that all our problems in our marriage were his fault. And it was easy to blame him because I could point to his drinking. But the truth was that I, too, had lots of sin that was contributing to our problems. I would just hide behind the fact that his sin was more visible. The truth was that I had been reared in an environment where no one ever admitted when they were wrong and where feelings and emotions reigned supreme and never were to be challenged. So in retrospect, there were many times where Brett would be right in challenging me on my thinking or my actions, but I would not allow it. It was extremely rare for me to ever ask for forgiveness. I would simply withdraw from a conversation if I didn't see any way to blame him. Anything was preferable to admitting that I was wrong or needed to ask for forgiveness. That was something I just didn't do. Jen and I have come to understand that we were created not just to believe in Christ as our Savior, but to love him supremely, to center our very lives on him above anything else, and to build our identities on him. When we build our lives on anything else, Jesus tells us that we are building on a foundation of sand, and the storms of life will destroy what we have built. God says in the very first of his Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. The Bible tells us that sin is not just the doing of bad things, but also the making of something or someone else more central to your significance, purpose, and happiness than the relationship to God. This is exactly what happened to us. Jan and I had both entered our relationship very needy. We both had childhoods that left us feeling insecure and looking to others for our sense of value. As a result, we were both looking for someone to fill what we perceived was missing in our lives. We loved each other very deeply, but because we did not have God in his proper place as the ultimate in our lives, our relationship was crumbling. In Pastor Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God, he quotes another author who says, no, <clears throat> excuse me, no human can bear this burden of godhood. If your spouse is your all, then any shortcoming in him or her becomes a major threat to you. What is it that we want when we elevate our spouse to this position? We want to get rid of our feeling of nothingness, to know our existence has not been in vain. We want redemption, nothing less. Needless to say, humans cannot give this. This is exactly where we were as a couple. We had tried to make each other our everything, and neither one of us could live up to that expectation. My reaction to this state of affairs was to abuse alcohol as a way of coping with my depression and frustration. During our arguments, I would become verbally abusive of Jan. We had a very negative pattern of communication. If there were any kind of disagreement between us, I would escalate while Jan would withdraw. What might begin as a minor disagreement over something inconsequential would very quickly turn into a terrible argument. At this point, I had begun to suffer so badly from depression that I began to struggle with very dark thoughts, even contemplating what a relief death would be. I never actually had suicidal thoughts, um, but it was a very dangerous place spiritually. 
During that time, it never even occurred to me that any of our struggles were my fault. And when I went to see a psychiatrist to get help with my depression, he just basically reinforced my belief that none of this was my fault. His solution was to prescribe antidepressants and to tell me that the real source of my problems was twofold. First, brain chemistry, which the drugs were supposed to help. And second, that my husband was at fault because of his drinking. He never even suggested that I look at my own shortcomings. And for my part, I looked at the overt sin of Brett's drinking and told myself that this was the sole source of my problems, that all of our marriage problems were entirely his fault. All of this led us to a point in 2005 that when I came home from a business trip, Jan informed me that she wanted a divorce. I was devastated. I tried to get her to give us another chance, but she said she had already talked with a divorce lawyer and that her decision was final. Our kids came home from school and we sat them down and amidst many tears, told them what was happening. It was a horrible day. That evening, I gathered some clothes and went to my mother's house who lived nearby. And that night, I had a dream. And I will tell you that I never put any stock in dreams and really don't ever remember them. And if I do, they don't make any sense. Uh, But this one was different. Um, I was on a ship at sea, uh, and there was a terrible storm. And the ship was being destroyed, and me with it. Um, There was broken glass everywhere, uh, and I had shards of glass embedded in me and was bleeding profusely. It was very graphic. And then suddenly, as if I was receiving a direct revelation from God, I became aware that not only was I being destroyed by the storm, but that I was the storm. Um, I, through my sinful ways, was not only destroying myself, but my family as well. And I woke up aware of how broken I was and begged God to forgive me and give me another chance. From that day forward, Brett began to change. I could see that he was different, and we began anew. We both turned our lives over to God and decided to make him our all. We recognized that if our lives and our marriage were going to be put back into order... Christ would have to be our king. It was not an immediate process. We both had to learn how to abide in Christ daily, and I had much yet to learn about my own sinful patterns. I had to work hard to humble myself and learn to admit when I was wrong. I had to learn to ask for forgiveness. But now we had real hope. We had belonged to a church for years, but as we began to search for God anew and to read the Bible daily, we realized that the church we were involved in did not treat God's word with the authority that it merits. We found a church that did see the Bible as the final authority over our lives and began to apply it. The process of learning to follow Christ and trust him was far from an immediate thing. It took time as we studied the Bible and applied it to our lives. But gradually, as we did, change took place. I entered a Bible-based 12-step program, and with God's help, I am completely free today of any desire to escape difficulty with alcohol. Jan and I don't want to pretend that we have a perfect marriage. We still have struggles, but there is such a difference in our lives and marriage. We each abide daily in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a community 
of believers um, who are as committed to God and his will for their lives as we want to be, and they keep us from returning to the isolation that dominated our married lives for so long. We're both committed to our marriage in such a way that we cannot even imagine seeking to escape from it anymore. We're working on drawing the circle around ourselves and removing the board from our own eye before we seek to remove the speck from the other's eye. And I say we're working on it because we still fail. We know that God's work in each of us will not be finished until he calls us home. But we trust his word, which tells us that he who began a good work in us will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And thanks be to God, our marriage is the strongest it has ever been. Brett has become a servant leader in our household because of his commitment to the will of God, which can be seen in every aspect of his life. Our two sons have been transformed by the change they have seen in the lives of their parents. They are both now wholly committed to God and very involved in the respective churches. Uh, We are blessed so much at the mercy God has shown us. We want to close our testimony by encouraging you to trust God. We know that many of you here tonight are in great pain and feel completely hopeless. We want you to know that we understand how you feel. We have been there. The Bible makes it clear that God allows difficult circumstances in our lives <clears throat> so that we will realize <clears throat> excuse me, that he is our only hope. If you will respond to the painful period that you are going through with a decision to trust Jesus Christ, to be your Savior and your Lord, then everything can change. You can experience the same transformation we have. I close our testimony tonight with one of my favorite passages in Scripture. God is speaking to us through his prophet Jeremiah. He contrasts the person who rejects God with the person who puts his trust in God. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8 reads this way. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord, for he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. We thank you for letting us share our story with you tonight and we will be praying for all of you.